Hello folks, welcome back to the RLS podcast. We are on episode 28 and I'm doing another solo podcast. And truth be told, this one, it was actually quite hard to think of a topic. I posted a thing on Instagram, basically looking for some suggestions on guests and suggestions on topics because truth be told, brain's been a little bit fried the past couple of months. I've had a lot of new clients and I've been working with a lot of kind of football players over the preseason period. And this is like the busiest period for, <coughs> excuse me, I've got a little bit of a cough today as well. Um, this is the most busy, this is the busiest period for, for me in terms of onboarding athletes, football players um, to the nine to five athlete, just because preseason is a great opportunity for people to basically dial in and focus on the gym work and on what they can do better for next season. And I will kind of touch on that within this podcast as to kind of what I'm doing with that right now. Because um, I think I don't think a lot of people kind of understand the concept behind it and they think that to train as an athlete, you must be trained by a coach in person. And I don't think that's entirely true. Um, and especially at the semi-professional level. I've also been trying to get a mortgage set up as well, which as you probably know is not easy. And it's been an absolute bolly if I'm, if I'm being honest. So in that sense, like my creativity has been has been rather low. It's been just more of a case of writing things down every single day and getting shit done rather than leaving myself space to actually think and to leave myself space to just do things that I want to do. Um, and yeah, I'm going to use this podcast as well to just kind of, I'm going to do a separate podcast on what I'm actually doing after football, but I've, I'm kind of, there's a couple of new goals in place um, moving into the rest of this year. So in terms of the programme, what I'm kind of doing just now and what I'm basically focusing focusing in on within the 9 to 5 athlete is a lot, it's not necessarily a, a thing that I've done on purpose or it's not really a direction that I've meaningfully went down, but I've been onboarding a lot more semi-professional um, footballers um, and that's guys that are playing <clears throat> in the junior game, the amateur game, the semi-professional game and even a couple like in, the, in this what you would classify as like the senior game um, within the actual league pyramid system. Um, and these guys are kind of coming on board with no no intention of actually working with me on a one-to-one basis in person. It's all online. And the reason that I believe this works so well for part-time players, players that are still working alongside playing their trade and um, well, playing, playing football, is because that these guys don't necessarily have extra time every single Like, they don't have... It's not that they don't have the time, but sometimes being kind of made to work autonomously and being able to be given the plan, given what they need to do. Here's how we're going to get you in the best shape possible for the season starting. Here's how we're going to get you fit. Here's the gym work that we're going to do. Here's the nutritional approaches that we're going to take. Here are the things that I believe we need to work on and giving them the autonomy to do that stuff and make it work around about their current ha- their their current routines, their current job, instead of just saying, okay, I'll meet you in the gym at 7 p.m. on a Wednesday, um, and giving them the full package to be able to get themselves in shape is, I think, more valuable. And again, this is a bias view because I work online, is more valuable than doing one individual personal training session. Now, I'm not going to take anything away from that because I think there's a lot of value to be had from doing one single personal training session each week in terms of technique and in terms of, the execution um, of the exercises and of the workout. I think that's obviously where you can gain an advantage. Um, But being able to 
help these players create an approach with nutrition, with training, with recovery that's going to allow them to, right now it's going to allow them to work off-season, pre-season and in-season. It's going to allow them to find an approach for both of those time, times of the year, times of the season, so that in years to come, they know exactly what they're meant to be doing when it comes to pre-season. They know exactly what they've got to be doing when it comes to in-season. How do I modify my training? How do I um, how do I modify my nutrition? How do I how do I basically work on all these different things? Now, I'm not saying these guys wouldn't benefit from benefit from having a coach all year round, but some people one don't want a coach all year round, and two um, maybe just don't have the money to do it all year round because it's it's an investment. So that's the kind of thing that I'm a, I'm doing just now, working with footballers, working with athletes online, and getting them ready for the for the season. And it's there's been a pretty large intake. That's why that's taken up a lot of my a lot of my bandwidth um and then in terms of what I'm what I'm doing now um I'm not playing football directly into next season and I've told a lot of people this um but still doesn't seem to be getting through to people's brains nah in all seriousness like I'm not playing directly into next season because I want to give myself an opportunity to try something different and I want to settle, give myself a, an opportunity to basically like settle into my, my new place um, and give myself a little bit of time back to to really kind of work on the business but also so that I can so that I can I say this I'm taking away the time of football and filling it up with even more training so I'm going to be training for the four for triathlon which is on the 23rd July which is not actually that far away now and that's a sprint triathlon um, and that is essentially 32 lengths of the pool that is five kilometers on the bike and uh, five kilometers a five kilometer run and a half marathon on the bike um this is slightly worrying i can't even remember if it's in that order it definitely starts with the swim it's the swim into the bike into the run yeah so sorry got it got it around the wrong way that's how a triathlon usually works um with the view to see how i get on with that see how much i enjoy it if i do enjoy it then i may then continue training that way um I still need to learn how to tumble turn. That would be that would be useful, but still can't do it. I end up choking and getting water up my nose. I'm sure it's pretty easy not to do that, but um, I still can't still can't master it. I'm also obviously doing the three peaks, which is um, I've explained this on the podcast a couple of times. That's the um, Nevis, Snowden, and Scaffold Scaffold Peak um, in 24 hours. Which the closer that comes around, the the scarier that's beginning to to feel as I'm a little baby when it comes to not getting sleep. So that'll be interesting. Um, I'm sure by the time I've come down the bottom of Nevis, I'll be like, oh, what the fuck have I got myself in for? Um, and then following that, considering doing a an Ironman 70.3, um, if anyone's listening and they've done an Ironman 70.3 or they've done a specific location um, or they can recommend anyone to get a little bit of advice off of for this, I would, I would hugely appreciate that because I'm kind of going in cold here. Um, literally be going in cold um i looked at the the weymouth one um, or weymouth however you pronounce that um obviously down south which would probably be the i think that's a good one for beginners but if anyone's got any recommendations then let me know or am i going in too deep going straight into an ironman should i be doing, doing something else in between a sprint triathlon and an ironman but i'm looking at the ironman and i'm thinking if i give myself till i give myself three or four months training um i'm sure i would be able to do a half marathon and the bike ride and the swim and um, i suppose it depends how choppy the sea is as well um so yeah there's a lot of a lot of things to take into consideration but it's something i i've got an itch to do it and a lot of the time when i get an itch and i get this idea of something that i want to do i end up just doing it 
Um, and I know a lot of people will be able to resonate with that feeling because I know a lot of people, like a lot of people that I coach are like that as well. It's like when they put their, when they put their mind to something, it's like nothing gets in the way. And it's, it's almost like a, it's almost like tunnel vision and you basically crash into everything along the way to get there. Um, but that's why I have a coach so he can help me not crash into stuff along the way. Um, and also if anyone's got any recommendations for good, affordable ro- uh, road bikes, that's something that I want to kind of delve into. I'm, I'm talking like nothing over, I, I mean, I'm maybe pricing myself out of a good bike here, but nothing over 300, 400 pounds would be ideal. Um, I'm pretty sure I could get a decent bike for that, but um, I'd like some recommendations on that. Um, and then other kind of recommendations, not necessarily recommendations, but something that I'm struggling with as well. And someone might be able to help me with and just DM me on Instagram. If you've got an answer to any of these questions is I've tried different different trainers and different running trainers that is um and i feel like my best running is done in bouncy well-supported trainers that have a big heel now i know for like a foot strike and for the general way that you hit the ground um and like obviously like grf ground ground reaction forces and stuff like that it's not always the best and it kind of gives you a false kind of idea of what it's like to run and if you're running certain amount of miles like a lot of miles like anything over 10k then that can start to really have problems with your feet and i i tend to get plantar fasciitis i tried to go to a harder sole um so that i was getting more of a true contact with the ground i even tried the vibro vibro barefoot trainers um and they were yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest like the look of them totally just put me off because i was walking about like i was a way to go into like p5 um p and ellie took that piss out of me for them so they're getting swiftly sent back. Um, even if they are beneficial, I just couldn't wear them. I generally just couldn't wear them. I, I feel like I don't know if anyone's seen these before, but I feel like they could do they could make more effort to look a little bit more stylish. So they generally do just look like a a slipper, and I can't get I can't get on board with them right now. I'm sure they're beneficial, but I can't get on board with them. So I'm I'm running Hawker Rincon threes just now. Um, I've not actually tried them yet. Um, I had previously the the Clifton Edge, Clifton Edge three, which were just a little bit too more too solid for me. They were fine over five kilometers, but when I started going like when I went seven eight kilometers, they were giving me I had pretty bad plantar fasciitis. But I feel like that's also a problem with my. Um, I think that's down to a problem with my general kind of tightness around my legs and the way that I hit the ground with my foot. Um, I think that's more something I need to deal with in terms of mobility point of view. Like I need to work on my my ankles. I need to work on my the tightness of my hamstrings and my glutes. And I think I'll start striking the ground a little bit better. But if anyone's an expert, get in touch because um, I'm sure there'll be someone listening that will be able to give me a little bit more um, depth on that. But what I wanted to go into with this week's podcast was something that I kind of, I produced a training on this a while back and I've repurposed it a little bit and it goes into basically the theory of why our energy is being lost on a daily basis. So I called it energy zappers and energy builders. Now zappers for some people might be, they might be thinking back to their youth, um, but that's not what we're talking about. We're, We're talking about things that zap your energy and things that build your energy. And I like to basically think of energy as this, this daily kind of battery. So if we think of, if we think of our, our energy on gen, in general as a battery and just I did have an image of a battery in front of me, but it seems to have disappeared and all my images have disappeared. So this is going to make this quite a difficult one to, to produce. 
Um, but I always like to think of it as a, like a zero to 100% battery. And on each day, you start with a certain percentage. Um, if you are, say, for example, recovering well, eating well, doing things that generally make you happy and you have a really job that you enjoy and you're living within the best possible way that you possibly could, you'll probably start the day every day with around about 90 to 100%. However, some of us will be starting the day at 50%, 60% and generally just burning out on a daily basis because of just really simple things. We'll maybe go for, we'll maybe have a slightly stressful day at work and we'll feel burnt out or we'll maybe feel like we hit 3, 4 a.m. and uh, 3, 4 p.m. in the afternoon and we're burnt out. Um, and it's because we're not, we're not doing what, we're not doing what we can to wake up with the best energy possible. We're not doing what we can to maintain our energy over a over a full day um, and you can also refer to this as allostatic load and I've spoke about this before so allo allostatic load is essentially what I'm talking about allostatic load is your capacity on a daily basis to to basically take on certain stressors and to take on to exert yourself in certain different ways during the day and Allostatic load, I like to think of as, again, you can think of it as the battery or you can think of it as like a bucket of water. And every day we only have a certain amount of capacity to to deal with. And with allostatic load, we fill the bucket up too high with, we're basically chucking in stress from work. We're chucking in stress from family. We're chucking in stress from eating absolute shite. We're, we're chucking in stress for drinking five beers every single night we're sucking in stress from not sleeping right then inevitably you overflow and you you overflow your capacity of allostatic load every single day and that leads you feeling burnt out tired stressed generally making decisions on impulse and emotion and just not generally being a nice person to be around so the way i like to look at it is we can one we can reduce the amount of stressors that we chuck into this bucket and stop it overflowing or we can increase the capacity and again think about there being a little kind of tap by the side of the bucket which we can turn the screw uh, turn the basically turn the tap and allow some water to come out of that every day so when it comes to making the bucket bigger this is when we think about we can think about eating better, I can think about sleeping better, we can think about generally training, we can think about um, doing things that we actually enjoy. Um, and this is going to allow us to not, there's going to allow us to not overflow that bucket every single day. And I've said the word bucket about 9,000 times now. So I'm going to stop and go on to the next page and hope, just hope that the next page is going to load. So First thing I would do when it comes to considering how do I know how do I now make sure I don't overflow that bucket? How do I make sure that I'm not constantly stressing myself out on a daily basis and I'm not constantly burnt out? And to basically just describe that feeling. Like you maybe don't really know what burnout feels like. And you maybe don't actually you maybe not indicated it because it's just how you feel every single day. And it's that feeling of, you know, when you sit down at night and give it the whole <sighs> fucking hell, what a day. Some people will feel like that every single day. Give it the whole what a day every single day. And I, I believe that you should not feel like that. And it's a case of as soon as you get home going like that, fall asleep. Like you literally sit down on the sofa, 7, 8 p.m. and you're bang, you're asleep. I'm not saying you shouldn't be tired, but 
it's usually a good indication that you're you're one over doing it or you're or you're basically overflowing. Um, another kind of indication could be generally just being stressed out to the max. Like your partner speaks to you at night and you're just nippy as fuck and you just, just go, you just be getting annoyed about stupid little things, about the dishes, about the hoovering and not, not necessarily being rational. And I'm going to try and remember the phrase. And it's kind of like, oh no, I can't remember it now. That's going to really annoy me. But like, relaxation is this is it so it's relaxation you in a relaxed state is who you really are and when you're burnt out and when you're stressed that's not a representation of who you actually are as a person because i always like to put it this way when you're in the car going on holiday and you've got up at 4 a.m in the morning and you're absolutely fucking knackered but you're still buzzing because you know you're going on holiday you're not like if you were essentially absolutely knackered after a long day of work and you weren't going on holiday that's more an indication of you when you're not feeling when you're not feeling fully there. Um, so relaxation is who you really are. The stressed out version of you is not you. It's just a an angry little gremlin version of you. So as I was getting on to, first best thing to do is have a look at your day as a whole and let's indicate where energy is being lost. So first of all, have a look at your day in terms of when do you wake up? When you wake up, how do you feel? Do you feel fucking knackered? Do you feel generally okay? Do you absolutely bounce out of bed and get up? What is it that you're doing early morning? Now, I appreciate that pretty much everyone will be working um, through the day. So what are you doing early morning? What are the habits? What are the, when do you eat? How do you feel? Um, what are the tasks that you're doing at work? Or what are the tasks that you're doing at home? Do you go to the gym early morning? Do you go for a walk early morning? What is it that you do? Late morning, same idea. Afternoon, same idea. What's going on? How am I feeling afternoon? Am I beginning to flag now? Am I beginning to feel tired? Am I beginning to feel like there's nothing left and I'm only I'm only in the afternoon? Evening, when I get home from work, what are the tasks that I need to do? Do I need to shop? Do I need to deal with the kids? Do I now need to go to the gym? Do I now need to do X, Y, and Z? Do I need to cook the tea? Evening, am I still awake? What time am I going to bed? Um, again, generally, how do you feel? And now a question to ask yourself is, when are you at your best? Are you at your best first thing in the morning? Do you feel like that's when your energy's highest? You bounce out of bed, you're a morning lark. Or do you feel like you operate best later at night? You don't feel too tired until a little bit later. Um, you feel like you like to go to the gym when it's quieter, 8 p.m., 9 p.m., maybe even 7 p.m., are you then someone that operates better late at night? Now, I think you can always put yourself into a bracket of one of the two, or you could put yourself into a bracket of, I used to be one, but now I'm the other. Um, and it's something that's good to indicate because if you feel at your best early morning, get your hardest tasks done early morning, go to the gym early morning. Because if you, if you are a morning lark and you're waking up and leaving the gym till later on at night, you're gonna be less inclined to want to do it. Um, and again, look at your day as a whole. Is there actually any you time? Do you have time to recharge? And again, I appreciate that a lot of people, probably including myself a lot of the time, do not have a chance to recharge until the weekend. And even still, the weekend, it can still be pretty hectic. So it's like, when am I actually getting chance, a chance to actually just chill out? Um, because a lot of us just be going month and month and month until we actually get like a couple of weeks holiday. Um, and that's only when we get to recharge. But I truly believe that there should be more opportunity um, for you to recharge. Um, and another way to look at it is like, how many spare hours in the day do you actually have? I know some people will be very limited to one, two hours in the day. 
some people will spend hours procrastinating. They will have a fucking half an hour tea break three times a day. They'll be on their phone for four hours. They'll watch Netflix for another two. They'll lay in their bed after the alarm goes off for another half an hour. And they'll begin to think, hmm, I've not got any time to do anything. But realistically, they're actually just taking the piss and they've got loads of time to do stuff. Another kind of point I wanted to touch on as well, and I think a lot of people get kind of a little bit confused by this. And if you've read the, the book, The 5 a.m. Club, you will you'll understand that there's this culture around about getting up early and there's this culture that you get more done if you're up early and you're more successful if you're up early. And like there's a, there's a bit of substance to this because for me anyway, I know if I get up early, there's less chance that I'm going to be, I'm going to wake up at 7am and start watching Netflix. However, if I stay up late, there's more chance of me doing that. Therefore, I could get more meaningful work done early in the morning. However, I think people get caught up in this idea that they need to get up at 5am, 6am, when in reality, sleep's a bigger problem than the time that they're getting up. So they're sacrificing sleep. And then, as I say, they're caffeinating the shit out of themselves at 5am in the morning just to get a little bit of extra work done. And then by the time it hits the afternoon, they want a nap. And would it have been better to stay in bed an extra hour than to have to nap in the mid-afternoon? Again, it just depends. But I think a lot of people are losing energy because they're not getting enough sleep. I think that's something that we need to look at and we need to be realistic about what a good wake time is for us. Staying in bed till dinner time is probably not going to be a good idea, but getting up at 5am every morning when it makes you absolutely buckled later on in the day, is that a good idea either? Probably not. So something that I believe is a massive contributor to the energy that we have later on in the day is positive fuels and negative fuels that you have throughout your day, every single day. So I'll just paint a little scenario for you. So positive fuels that this is basically based on me. Positive fuels I have during my morning or during my day. Sorry, one second. <clears throat> I still not got the editing skills to, to, to take out coughs, so you've got to deal with it. Um, positive fuels that I have during my day. We can think about taste, smell, sights, sounds, and touch. So a positive fuel for me during the day in terms of taste would be a nutritious breakfast. A positive fuel in terms of smell would be a clean house, maybe having some sort of air freshener there, maybe having some sort of um, candle lit. A positive fuel in terms of sight would be for me to go outdoors or walk to work. It would be for me to generally just go outdoors in the open um, before I really do much with my day. A positive sound would be an inspiring podcast, would be a podcast that I find interesting, or would be smashing some techno into my ears to, to get me going during the day. Another positive fuel would be would be touch. Could be just hugging a partner, hugging a friend, hugging some, hugging a family member, or petting your dog. Um, and then you flip it round on on its other head. Uh, on, you flip it round on its other head. You flip it flip it on its head, and you talk about negative fuel. So again, same idea, nutrition. So if you're having a bowl of cocoa pops for your breakfast, not to say there's anything wrong with cocoa pops, but Cocoa Pops maybe don't fill you up and they're maybe not the most nutritious thing in the world to start off your day with. Um, maybe that's putting negative kind of fuel into your day when you were meant to be having your oats and protein powder. Smell, last night's dishes are still out. You've not cleaned up the house. That's a negative connotation starting your day. Oh, fuck, I've got to clean those dishes later. Sights, a rushed morning where you've maybe not got up as early as you should have done. It's a rush morning, a traffic jam. You're not on time or there's like clutter generally just around the place. Um, again, 
if we are rushed in the morning, that's another thing to think of. Think about that's going to constant. That's going to instantly put us in a a state of kind of panic and anxiety. Oh shit! Like shit! Like I've got to get going. Why not just wake up a little bit earlier? Sounds and kind of sights would be related to like watching the news in the morning. If you watch Good Morning Britain in the morning, you're an absolute mug because you're not an absolute mug. It was interesting when Piers Morgan was on. Let's be honest. But right now, it's, it's a load of shit. And the only thing you ever see on there is. Russia, Ukraine, COVID, monkeypox, fucking Boris Johnston, whatever doing, whatever he's going to be doing this week, necking a thing of gin or whatever he's doing. But it's it's just it's just not going to be helpful. It's not going to be a positive fuel for you to start your day with. So have a little inventory about your day and how you start your day. What are the positive fuels? What are the negative fuels? How can I get more positive? How can I get less of the negative stuff? Um, and for me, when I did this the first time, I was like, Ryan, you need to give yourself 10 minutes extra when you get up in the morning. You need to stop watching Good Morning Britain. You need to make sure you have a nutritious breakfast and you need to actually get outdoors before you start your day. So if you're someone that works from home or you work in an office, going from your bed in the dark, well, not necessarily in the dark this time of the year, but if you're going from your bed straight through to your office and you don't even see outdoors, that's one thing that I would strongly recommend doing is getting out for a walk for five to 10 minutes. Even if you've not got a dog, walk down the road and back the actual ability to be out and in the open and just walk is massively beneficial for your for your headspace and how you start the day. And you can also look at it from a, from a standpoint of getting a few steps in at the start of the day so you're not chasing your tail later on. Um, so that's kind of how we would look at negative energy in terms of objects and in terms of how your day looks. But later on in the day, maybe you go to work and maybe there's just this fucker who's annoying you every single minute of the day um, and he's just someone that you don't get on with. He or she's not someone that you get on with. Um, how can you how can you have less of that person? Like it, it might be necessary in the workplace. You might have to deal with this person, um, but it's about not not rising to it. And I know in the workplace it can become. There's a lot of the time there can be aspects of people picking on each other or bullying people or just winding people up. Trying to remove yourself from that situation or trying to have less of people have like basically taking in less of people that are giving you negative energy, people that, again, I speak about negative energy as if it's like some sort of like mystic thing. It's more just like a case of avoiding negative people and not not getting involved in negative talk because I think the, in the workplace, it's so common, like when someone goes, ah, oh, fucking Monday, fuck's sake, fucking hate this day, especially on a building site. People's like, ah, oh, it's fucking Monday again. Or this is the worst one possible. Someone, uh, some one of my mates told me this. It was like one of the people that was working on his sites was like, someone was, well, he was like, ah, Friday the day though. And he's like, ah, just another just another three days closer to Monday again. I was like, imagine having that aspect of, imagine having that view on life. It must be an absolutely miserable existence. Um, so it's about avoiding people that just bring you down and they want to speak shit about other people and they want to gossip and they want to say that, that oh, he's a prick, she's a prick. Don't get involved in that stuff because all that's going to do is bring you negative kind of negative vibes if you want. Um, so avoid that at all costs because it is not going to help you. Another thing to look at is what are your warning signs? So what are the things, and I basically spoke about this at the start, what are the things, what are the indicators of you beginning to burn out? What are the indicators of you beginning to feel a little bit shitty and things starting to come to a head? So there might be things like falling asleep at 8pm on the sofa every single night. There might be things like um, just being really nippy, really emotional, really just being really kind of angry with your partner about things that you don't really need to be angry about or getting angry with people at work or 
no motivation, sleep being really terrible, generally just feeling burnt out, feel like you've got nothing else to give um, to the rest of your day. These are things that I, I truly believe are, are warning signs, but yours might be different. You just need to just need to indicate to yourself and always have these. And again, I've got an image in front of me, which is basically like an, an engine light um, and on your car. When you see this engine light, well, I mean, if you're like me, you probably wait to about three weeks until it almost explodes to actually get it fixed. But if we physically had an engine light that popped up in our brain every time we knew we were taking it too far, what would you then do about that? Would you be more inclined to, <clears throat> excuse me, would you be more inclined to do something about it? But I think because we don't visibly see this, and we almost just allow it to leak into our normal life. And we normalize the way that we feel when we feel shit. We feel shit. We feel unhappy. Or we feel burnt out. We're just like, this is just how it has to be because this is the grind. And this is this is how life has just got to be. We shouldn't allow ourselves to, to live like this. And when one of these warning signs come up, we need to do something about it. And again, I've, I've kind of put a couple of more things on here that are like sleeping at lunchtime, constant naps, having zero energy left for your family or your partner, illness, low motivation, binging, extreme hunger, um, or extreme kind of like, or not eating. You could think of it in the, in the flip side. <clears throat> so then you want to flip it on its head from what I said about earlier. What's your perfect day look like? Like what does a day that when everything is just going swimmingly well or a week that you thought about what's like, think about a work day or a work week where you're like, okay, that's what I want my week to look like. That's what I want my day to look like. I would like this much spare time. I mean, ideally everyone would like eight hours spare time every single day, but it's not realistic. Think about a realistic, perfect day that you could have in place for yourself over a day and over a week. And think about how you can get yourself closer to that. Do you want to spend more time with your family? Do you want to spend more time for yourself in the gym? Do you want to work a little bit less? Do you want to, um, do you generally want to have more time to go for a walk? And I'm always really cautious of saying things like wanting to work less because like it's, it's completely unrealistic for some people and it's completely unrealistic to say to some people, oh yeah, just work less money people need money i need money everyone needs money um so i, I take, say that with a pinch of salt because i know it's not always it's not always available and there's people out there that are literally like they've got kids they've got hobbies they've got jobs they've got their own businesses and they could literally be sitting here with one hour spare in a week but it's the ability to look into the future and think right okay how long can i actually live like this going at 100 miles per hour not resting feeling burnt out every single week can I put some can I put some steps in place, even if it means it's six months down the line to a year? I'm going to have to grind for six months to a year to actually allow myself to achieve this this balance or achieve this free time. But if you're currently sitting here, worked off your worked off your feet, absolutely fucking knackered, and money is still an issue, then basically what I would say to you is think about the future. Think about how you can begin to strive towards making life a little bit easier for yourself and giving yourself a little bit more free time because. You can't live like that for the next 20, 30 years. There's got, it's got to come to a head and you've got to eventually think about your, your health and think about your enjoyment in life. And I, I use the same kind of, the, the same frame with people that work because they want to earn money. It's like, right, okay, yeah, you want to earn money and you're working hard, you're working late, you're working overtime to earn money. But when do you actually stop to enjoy that money? When do you actually stop to enjoy the hard work that you're taking on? And a lot of people don't. There's a, there'll be plenty of millionaires and there'll be plenty of people that are very well off around this area that will have worked for the past 30 years, had a really good job, got a really nice car, got a really nice house, 
got everything really, really nice and they've got all these material objects, but they've not spent one fucking second enjoying it. So we need to really be cautious of that. Money does not equal happiness. Um, and yeah, that's something that I would really, really think about hard. So a way that you may be able, may be able, that's a new word, a way that you might be able to begin to start living. And again, this is maybe diving in a little bit deeper to like happiness um, and generally enjoying your life. But if you want to live with high energy and you want to live not constantly zapping your energy, doing things that you don't want to do, something that you've got to really understand is like, what are your highest values? Um, and I want to obviously shout out the the high-performance coach and Troy and the high-performance coach. She basically taught me about this and I never really kind of understood it and I never really understood what values really were. I just thought they were, they are just things that people find they, they find important. But when you actually realize how, kind of easy it is to begin to indicate these things begin to put more of this into your life on a weekly basis then the more you'll begin to feel more fulfilled and happier so a couple of questions and i'm trying to remember the guy that came up with the values factor it's like john oh god i can't remember but the values factor is basically where i got these questions from so you want to answer a couple of different questions to find out what your what your highest values are and what are the things that you find most important. So a couple of the questions, I'll basically answer them for myself and I'll go over them. Think about how you fill your space, objects, possessions, generally look around your room, like what what's in your room? What are the objects that you have? For me, it's it's clothes, it's it's office stuff, it's running trainers, it's it's football boots, it's fitness stuff. How do you spend most of your time? in terms of work, in terms of hobbies, in terms of sports. How do you use your energy? Think about the things that you've got endless energy for versus the things that drain you. So what are the things that you're currently doing that you could do all day long? It's possibly play football. It's possibly go to the gym. It's possibly run. It could be something different. Like what could you just sit down and do? And again, it could be like things like Netflix. It doesn't have to be all sport and fitness related versus things that drain you. So think about the jobs that you're now doing every single week that you're like, oh, I fucking hate doing this i cannot be arsed doing this how do you spend most of your money is it on material objects is it investing in yourself is it in events is it going out for food is it what is it where do you have the most order and organization like what tasks do you feel like you've got most control of where are you most disciplined things that you, you never have to be reminded about like things where you just you get shit done and nobody has to tell you to get it done what are your most dominant thoughts? Like, what do you think about the most? Do you think about the future? Do you think about um, what you want for your life? Like, what is it you think of? It could be marriage. It could be having a baby. It could be your job. It could be your business. For me, it's it's probably it's probably like business related. That's probably what I think about the most on a daily basis. What do you manifest about most? Think about the future. So what is it that you want for the rest of your life? What are the dreams that you've got? Like, what, think of think about when you sit there and think, I would love to do that or I'd love to be able to go there. What do you talk about with your friends? What inspires you? What do you love to learn about most? And what goals have you had for a long time? Ones that stand that stand the test of time that you've still had. You had them three years ago, but you've still got them now and you've maybe not fulfilled them yet. And when you've answered all those questions, and I can basically provide a, a list of those questions if someone wants to basically find out what they actually value most because we maybe do know what we value most but until you write it down on paper you're a bit like all oh, right okay so that is what i value most and these 12 questions can actually help you really answer that um, and again three to five things that constantly showed up for me were travel business relationships sport future freedom and education um, and 
the best thing about knowing your values is your values can charge your goals, your training, your motivation, aka your values are your why. So you'll hear me say a lot of the time, like, what's your why? Like, what's your actual reason for doing this? Like, why do you want to be fit? Why do you want to get in shape? Why do you want to lose body fat? Why do you want to why do you want to run a marathon? And usually they don't really know their why. They don't I'm not really sure. Like I just kind of I just kind of want to lose some body fat. But if we really realistically think about it, it comes down to our main human needs. And that could be to get a partner. You may be single and you may go, if I get in shape, there's more chance of me getting a partner. It's not a thought that you'll say out loud, but it's a thought that you probably have. Or you may want to get in shape and feel better about yourself and have more energy so that you can do better at work, build your business. Um, or it may be because you want to actually, you know what, although I've not said it, I want to make a move up in my sport. This is why I'm doing this program. Um, and it may help you make more money. Like if you're fitter, healthier, more motivated, it's easier for you to get up in the morning. You may be able to make more money if you are very money, money motivated. These might change as you grow up. As you mature, I'm sure my values have changed in the past two years. I'm sure before it would have been more like pints, football, going out, liquid. It would have been something like that. But it's not anymore, thankfully. Um, it's, not, it's not anywhere near that. Um, so as I said, these will change over time, but it's really good to get clear on what these are um, and to really understand. And it's the values factor by, oh God, I can't remember his name, but it's the values factor. If you type that in, you can basically do this test online and it will spit out your, your main values. Um, and that will really help you become clear on what it is that you do it for. And to basically wrap up, we can't, we can't constantly be living in fight or flight. It's good to get clear on what it is that you really want. It's good to be clear on what's zapping your energy and what will build your energy if you are operating on 60% battery just now, it doesn't have to be like that. You can begin to operate at a higher level and generally just feel better about yourself. So if it's possible, stop, take a second, evaluate your life, stop doing as many things that drain your energy or do less and start living within what you value most. And I think that's all that I basically wanted to touch on. And if you have listened to this and if you have enjoyed it in any sort of shape or form, please rate the podcast as many stars as you can, ideally five. Um, share it on your story. Drop me a message. If you kind of resonated with anything that I said within the within the podcast or there was anything that you want me to go into a little bit more detail about or you generally just want to ask me a question, um, I'm an open book and I'm more than happy to answer anyone's questions or just generally have a conversation. So if you listen to it, thank you very much. I appreciate everyone that listened so far, especially, especially the guys from Jamaica. Um, I'm still not convinced they're actually from Jamaica but if you are listening from Jamaica please DM me because there's six people that listen from Jamaica and I really want to know who you are catch you later guys thank you for listening